This is Dave Broadbeck uh, here talking to you, and as I guess you'd imagine, considering the name of the podcast. And uh, the lecture you're about to hear is from the fall term in 2018 from Algoma University. It is Biology uh, and also Psychology 2606, Brain and Behavior. Hope you enjoy it. Excellent. So today is, I don't know, this may be the coolest topic. Um, I think it's probably the one that, this will stick with you more than any of them, probably. Uh, at least it, it tends to. So here's some sort of introductory thoughts about vision. The sensory world right, we, we experience, is basically a representation of the actual real world. Right? Anybody who tells you there's no real world and everything is subjective is full of shit. So there really is reality out there, except we only experience a small part of it. Right? So we convert some of the energy out there into neural messages. Most of it we don't. Most of it we don't. So we have a very rich visual world, humans, and not a very smelly world, <clears throat> right? So we, uh, did I talk, I think I used the word, did I use the word umwelt in this class? No, it's animal, animal cognition is running, uh, the things run together. <coughs> but there's this German word, leave it to the Germans. They have a word, I think it means sort of sensation. But it's also <clears throat> about, <clears throat> It's not just sensation when it's used in, in this sort of sense. It means like what your sensory world is. So our umwelt, our human one, is very visual. It's not very smelly. A dog, a bloodhound, their umwelt is a lot more about smell. Right? You always see the thing when they, they give the dog. You, all, you ever watch the border security program? They got that people are trying to smuggle sausages into the country. It seems like that's the whole point of, the, of all people that are coming into the country, and they're just, it's sausage. And the dogs always sit, sit by the, the bag, and then that's, when the dogs sit by the bag, that means weed, right? And then you got a guy standing there going, no, I've never smoked marijuana in my life. And he's got a shirt on that says 420, and his eyes are droopy. <laughs> no, man. Okay, just before I got on the plane. Okay, on the plane in the bathroom. But the dogs, we can't smell Marijuana, unless it's, you know, open. Right? I bet somebody in here, because it's legal now, has weed on them. Can't smell it. But if we had a dog here was crazy, they can do that, right? So our world's very visual and not very smelly. Um, and did I tell you the owl story? If I, no? Okay. The owl story. <laughs> Barry Frost, who was a psychologist at Queens, just recently died, uh, was... Um, one of his graduate students was doing some stuff on owls and single cell recording. So had an owl in a soundproof booth and had a, um, did I tell you this? Yeah. yeah. Told you this, right? About kind of having the uh, single cell recording. And what it turns out is that thought the equipment was screwing up because it kept saying it was a cell firing. And it turned out it was actually the, even though it was in a soundproof room, the owl was responding to the heartbeat of the graduate student. And even though it was in a soundproof room. 
So owls are hearing things that we have no idea. Like, I can't hear your heartbeats. That would be very disturbing. But also, the idea that an owl can hear a heartbeat in another room that's soundproofed to humans is mind-boggling. We can't imagine that. Or you think of bats, right? Bats can paint a picture with sound that is probably easily as detailed as we get with visual. Okay? Now, different parts of the brain do different bits of visual processing. You will notice, frankly, uh, in today, and when we talk about this next time, that, frankly, the only thing that I'm not going to talk about really is the frontal lobe. The other three lobes do vision. Now, temporal lobe and parietal lobe do other stuff. Occipital lobe only does vision. Okay? Frontal does most mostly does higher-order cognition. It's working with visual information a lot, but it's not doing direct visual processing. The neat thing is this all comes together seamlessly to form the visual world we have. Right? And I can tell you, and I think I've already told you, that your different parts of your brain, different areas of occipital lobe are actually dealing with color and motion and shape. And shape and motion. Shape and motion is analyzed separately from shape. That seems odd but it's how it works. But this happens seamlessly. It's completely seamless. Like, we don't notice that we're processing these things separately. Right? It just happens. It's very cool. That's neat. Nice transition there. So vision is converting some form of, of, of energy into neural energy, into action dependence. That's all it's doing. That's how any sensory process works. How many people here have taken sensation and perception with Lori Bloomfield? Anybody? Anybody? Me neither. Okay, good. Oh, so one of you. Okay, that's great. One person. Okay. It's a good course. Take it. Take it. I think it's on next year, so take it. Or, or maybe Dwayne teaches it. I don't know. That'd be sad. I'm kidding. I like Dwayne. He's my friend. That's why I make fun of them. So in this case, it's light. Now, light isn't actually a thing. This is the weird thing about light. It's just radiation. Not radiation. We're all going to die. Um, it's nothing to be afraid of. Most radiation. So it's just a form of electromagnetic radiation. made up of these things called photons, which are both particles and waves at the same time. And if you didn't learn that in physics, I'm not teaching you, because I don't really get it either. The math says it works that way. Experiments say it works that way, so it works that way. But it's weird. Now, the thing is, so are electromagnetic radiation, x-rays, microwaves, infrared, UV, ultraviolet. Cosmic rays. I like saying cosmic rays makes me feel like I'm in a in Star Trek or something. Okay. You probably saw a diagram like this many times in your life. Probably in maybe even elementary school science. I don't know, this, I typed into Google Images a few years ago, electromagnetic spectrum diagram. And that's the first thing that came up. Um, it's apparently someone cares about television and radio. <laughs> that's why it's circled. 
I know over here. There's a small section of the EM spectrum, look at that, look at how thin that is, that we perceive as different colors. See, this is the thing you gotta get your head around. There aren't really colors. <clears throat> now I sound like I've been smoking weed, but there aren't really colors. Colors aren't a thing. Different wavelengths of light are interpreted by our brains as colors. But they're actually, color isn't actually a thing. It's just a different wavelength of light, of, of, of electromagnetic radiation. Everything below visible light uh, is non-ionizing radiation. It doesn't break bonds of uh, molecules, so it can't hurt you. So your microwave oven cannot give you cancer. It can interfere with someone's pacemaker. That's why that's a concern if you have a pacemaker. It can screw up your Wi-Fi signal. And in fact, some of you might notice that when you turn your microwave on, your Wi-Fi kind of drops a little bit. That means it's leaking radiation, and you're all going to die. And when I say that, I mean probably sometime in your 80s, you're all going to die. It's not going to give you... If you could jury rig up a thing with your microwave, you can. Don't do this, it's stupid. But you could make it so your microwave works with, with the door closed. No one's going to get hurt unless, like, your parents have a pacemaker, then you could kill them. So that's, don't do that. But, like, do you think really, like, Walmart would sell machines that could kill people with a paper, if you just use a paper clip? To, no. Think about that for a second. Extremely low frequency, uh, you probably have no experience with that. I don't either, though I do know that it travels all over the world. Very cool. Um, it allows submarines to communicate. Things I learn because I go down Wikipedia rabbit holes. I get really into a movie, Red October, which I, is like my favorite movie, so I've seen it a thousand times or something, but I also, I'm no fun to watch that movie with. I just say all the lines along with it, even the Russian bits. It's no fun. I don't, I don't speak Russian, by the way. I just know it phonetically. But they use ELF. Uh, AM radio, which I think exists still. It's mostly just people yelling in the States. Uh, FM radio is where you listen to hockey games and hear some music. TV. TV's actually a little more over here now. That's old TV. And then you got um, microwaves. Microwave oven. Then you got... I. I don't know what he's doing. Infrared. Yeah, he may be looking at the infrared here, which is heat. Or he got a hot dog out of the microwave. I think that's another possibility that we should not ignore. Um, or he's looking at the woman over here, and he's a creep. And I think that's, in fact, yeah, he's a creep. I think we can go with that. Hashtag, that guy's a creep. So... Then there's the stuff we see, orange you did, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. And then there's ultraviolet. Oh, now you can get the stuff that can give you cancer. This is why when you're in the sun, you should put sunscreen on. All the time. You really should, even in this weather. The sun's scary. The sun's trying to kill me. Right? X-rays, which again, you know, you go to you go to the doctor and you go to the emergency room, you've broken a bone. The first question they're gonna ask you is if you had an X-ray, how many X-rays have you had this year? Because they're going to have to give you an x-ray, but they want to know, like, they don't want to hit a lethal dose. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, this is an x-ray obviously being given to a dentist. Yeah. Yep. No, it's perfectly safe as the woman leaves the room and puts on a lead suit, right? And you have no, like your dental hygienist is in another room. She's got a hazmat suit on. She's behind the thing. No, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> as you said, that's okay. I don't want kids. I don't need more kids anyways. And then we get into cosmic rays, gamma rays, etc. Um, now, while we only see this, our brains, and we only have receptors for this, there are receptors in some animals for infrared. What animals do you think could see in the infrared? Just to reason this out. Oh, maybe you know. You might know. A lot of insects can see infrared. How do you think mosquitoes find you in the middle of the night when you're camping and you go out to take a piss? <laughs> no, seriously, how do you think they find you? You think, oh, it's all smell. No, it's not. Not just smell. They see a, a glowing thing that is dinner, and they land and they take a little bit of blood. Now, I think I, these are running together. But ultraviolet, a lot of animals see the ultraviolet. A lot of birds see the ultraviolet. Now, the cool thing about this is that you might think, why don't we see the ultraviolet? It must be like, look, if some animal sees it, it must be a useful thing. It must indicate something. Why don't we see it? Why is it that mammals, as a rule, don't see ultraviolet? Birds, why would birds see ultraviolet? Think about that. Why do you think? There's a thing birds do that we don't do. Fly. Yeah. Ultraviolet light dispers disperses differently depending on your how high up in the air you are, depends on your altitude. So it allows birds to detect how high they are. It gives them a built-in altimeter of sorts. That's cool. What a uh, uh, Insects that navigate long distances see into the uh, bees see into the ultraviolet too. There, some birds have UV patches. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, chick, female chickadees, male and female chickadees look exactly the same. Female chickadees have an ultraviolet patch on their chest, on their breast. Right. You can't. Yeah. Good. That's another one. Another example. I didn't know that example. So, but of course, it's like, well, why would they have that? You can't see it. No, it's not for you. The pretty birds were not made for you, right? Like the birds have these patches so the males can go, it's female. And then you start singing, you know, chickadee, you know, not call. Chickadee, okay, ladies. That's what he's saying when he's calling, he's singing. Now, also, birds, cool thing about birds, by the way, migratory birds, there's a, a cluster of cells in their brain called cluster N, and they project into where the, the parts of the brain allow birds to see. Uh, so birds, and those, those cells are sensitive to the uh, magnetic field of the Earth. And they probably see lines of longitude. How do you think they navigate? <laughs> That's freaking cool as hell. My daughter's doing stuff on that right now. And they're just mind-boggling. How is my daughter a better scientist than me when she's 25? How is that a thing? Because she's smarter than me. That's the answer. Very neat. Okay, so that's the little bit. This is all we care about. All this other stuff's there. It's good we don't see Wi-Fi. It's everywhere. 
Wi-Fi is right around here. TV signals, they just be all over the place. And because it's on this side, Wi-Fi can't cause cancer. Your phone will not give you cancer. Your phone will give you cancer if you constantly use your phone to call somebody to get you cigarettes. That's how your phone causes cancer, okay? You're not gonna get leg cancer because your phone's in your pocket. You're not gonna get a brain tumor because of your cell phone. Stop, if anybody says that, there's two things. You can tell them, well, no, it's not ionizing radiation. If they go, oh, okay, I didn't know that. If they don't believe you, it's the time to turn away and realize you're talking to a flat earther. Just don't talk to those people. Because the mechanism doesn't exist, is what I'm saying. Okay. But sometimes my head gets hot when I'm on my phone for a long time. Yeah, because there's a radio in there. It's using battery power and it warms up, you dope. It also gets hot if you put a piece of toast on your face. <laughs> Wow, that was a strange place to go. Good old toast face. Anyway, so um, the wavelength of the light determines the hue that we perceive. Okay? So that's the color on the color. Intensity determines the brightness. The amount of light tells you how bright something is. The wavelength of it determines what we call color. The lower the wavelength, the closer it is to red, the higher the closer it is to violet. On Roy G. Bit, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. The light enters your eye uh, through the cornea, and then, and, which is the sort of coating on the outside, like the covering, and then there's a hole. Your pupil in your eye is actually a hole. It's your eye hole, which is new from Apple, and we think you're going to love it. But, <laughs> thank you. Um, One of the interesting things about this is you can think about how could a lot of you'll hear creationists get all excited about eyes because they say, How could an eye get come out of nowhere? And what use would only half an eye be? Lots, actually. And it's easy to figure out how such a thing could evolve. Also, something that detects light, vision, sight has evolved like 50 or 60 times in the animal kingdom separately, so it's pretty valuable. So think about this. If you're, let's say you're a primitive animal of some sort, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, actually in a galaxy far away, it was just a long time ago. And on your back, so this is your back, you just got this one little patch of skin that could be light sensitive. That would be useful, wouldn't it? So you have a, it just detects light. It's all it's doing. It'd be useful because you could know what time of day it was. Yeah, this, because it's the way we're, we're, this is situated, you, you can't know if it's going to be uh, what direction the light's coming from. But you know it's day or night. That's a useful thing. Right? Okay. What if instead you had that, like a little depression? Now we can see what direction it comes from. Because it, depending on which of these, say, receptors we have here, we can get direction. So this is now a pit. Just a pit. You don't get any image, but you get the direction something's coming from. Is the light coming from there, or there, or there, or there? Because you can just read the different states of those cells and see where the light's coming from. 
Make sense? This, now, this is valuable. You probably want to cover that up with something. This is where the cornea comes from. The idea of a cornea. So probably clear skin. Yep. You know what would be even better? If you had a little pinhole in there, you could get an image. Oh, now we got an eye. <laughs> that's, that's really how eyes evolve. And they basically work roughly the same way, no matter if they're compound eyes or, which is a whole bunch of eyes, or simple like, ones like we have. So it would be horribly useful. This is, by the way, it's great. If you want to see sort of the, what it would look like through those different kinds of eyes, which is a strange thing, if you ever see the uh, it's a BBC special called Walking with Monsters, you know the Walking with series, Walking with Dinosaurs, Walking with Cavemen, all those. There's Walking with Monsters, which is pre-dinosaur animals, and they, they show what it would have looked like to the first animals that had vision. And it's blurry and dark. No, that's, it's very cool, though. Okay, so it goes through your cornea, which is a coating. You get scratched sometimes, you get scratched cornea. You ever have that? It's horrible. Had that last year. Got my eye infection. I, a guy I knew in high school, got, or sorry, elementary school, got a scratched cornea from a piece of bubble gum someone threw. You know, hockey card bubble gum, it's hard as a rock. You didn't want the, you just want the cards, and this, this is the, the coat room. You just threw it, and it hit this guy, Paul Valentine. I remember, never forget this, right in the eye. Anyway, kind of deserved it. He was a bit of a dick. Um, kidding. Nobody deserves that. Notice I wasn't saying I was kidding about him. Um, I'm sure he's a lovely man now. Uh, your pupil size is regulated by the iris. Behind the pupil is the lens. Now, this is where you know, we can focus stuff, right? There's a whole bunch of other steps I haven't gone on. This is where our eyes are more like cameras, except that with cameras, we change the focal length of the lens or sort of change the, uh, yeah, I guess focal lens, right, work, um, by moving the lens out and back, eh? Um, with eyes, we wouldn't want that. We'd be like you're in a cartoon. You're, so the, the, it changes uh, shape, the, the, the lens behind your pupil. So it accommodates, it changes shape. And the light hits the retina. And of course, by the way, the image itself is upside down. It doesn't matter that it's upside down. Your brain writes it. But it is upside down. Now, you, you, I'm sure you all knew that. And if you didn't, you went, oh, yeah, I remember learning that. The first person ever to see an image, right, have an image right side up on their retina was a guy named Stratton in 1896. He decided to try, he got these uh, prisms, and he wore like his glasses that flipped the world upside down and left his retina. which is kind of great. And then he recorded it. Like, early psychology was great that way because no one knew anything, so people just try shit. So he did this, and he wrote down his observations. And one of them, well, so a few observations. The first one, of course, is that he felt disoriented. But he also felt sick, like literally sick to his stomach. Nauseous. And in about like halfway through the day he was fine he could walk around he could interact with objects he could read and write no problem he literally rode a bicycle that afternoon 
in the streets of London, England. And I imagine it was one of those penny farthing bikes, big wheel, little wheel. Yeah. I just figured, because that's the era, which is great. Hi ho, world is upside down, what? Going along. So he did this for a week, and then after a week, he took the lenses off. And the weird thing is, he felt confused and disoriented and nauseous for about half a day when, he, when the world was right again. So humans, the neat thing about our visual system, that can tell you right there, is pretty plastic, right? Like, we can adapt. Uh, you can try this with... Uh, if you do it with like cats, monkeys, the same, they have the same sort of reaction that humans do. So you got to put goggles on them, they can't take off, which is kind of funny for you know, a cat especially, I think. But they accommodate, no problem. A frog, they never, they just, they never, uh, they, they never figure it out. There's a, there's a fly over here, they're over here, doesn't work. Now, you don't put little goggles on frogs. Um, you do it surgically. You just turn their eyes upside down. I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh at that. It's horrible. But that's how it goes up. It's, like it's the worst practical joke to pull on a frog. Well, it's not as bad as cutting them open and pouring solutions on their hearts like that Von Levy did. So, so something, it's interesting that with mammals pretty plastic, uh, at least amphibians, we know I'm not true. I think also a fish have trouble. Okay, uh, you've seen, I'm never going to ask you, don't worry about this diagram, I'm not going to ask you an eye diagram. It's not grade 10 biology. Okay, you should have learned this already. <coughs> so the acuity, that's how, what the vision, uh, like how, how sharp the picture is, is affected by the shape of your eye. So, if, if you're nearsighted, your, your eye's actually a little too long. Right? Or your cornea is too curved. So far away stuff is blurry. Because far away stuff ends up... The best image would be closer. Somewhere like in here. Okay? So you wear lenses to fix that. And I imagine most of the people in here who wear glasses are nearsighted, right? Out of curiosity, who's nearsighted? Yeah, all yeah. Anybody farsighted? <coughs> You're not old enough yet. No, that happens, that happens with age, right? So farsightedness happens. See, which is in front of the retina. Farsighted is the opposite. That's when your eye um, is kind of squished in and your cornea is not curved enough. That just happens with age. And that's why... When you're doing, that's why you might watch your, your parents read a newspaper like this. I was playing Trivia Pursuit with my dad. I swear he had, the, he had like the cards in the other room. What Pope? You know, things like that. He always got Pope questions. It really bugged him. The hell do I know about Popes, David? God, I miss my brother. Um, don't worry too much about that. Just know this is filled with the fluid. The cool thing is, here we have the optic there, and that's what we're going to care about. We're going to care about the retina. The rest of it, it's not like it's magic, but it's stuff you should know already. I might have just winked there. That was creepy. I shouldn't do that. 
have a tendency to do that. I hate it because I hate it's one short of this. And I hate that guy. Oh, I hate that guy. Because there are people that do that ironically. That's okay. It's people that do it really. It's like, oh, you're one of those guys. Right. Okay, so your retina. Let's talk about retina. There's two kinds of retina, two kinds of retina in your rods. I screw this up constantly, but I usually say cods and rones. There are two kinds of receptors in your retina, rods and cones. They are called that because they're shaped like rods and cones. Those are shaking like they're shaped like rods and cones. Mr. Spock. It's a big group today, so I'm enjoying it. I don't really care if anybody. As you've probably gathered by now, those of you that come to class, um, that most of these jokes are for me, and they're not really that funny for the rest of you. Nonetheless, rods are for night and brightness. Okay. We'll get into more of this in a sec. Cones are for day and for color. <coughs> so this says that, in fact, that at night, you don't see in color when it's dark enough, which you don't realize until you have to respond to color in very low-light conditions. Right? So if you ever have to get up early to go somewhere, and the room's dark, and you look over to the person who you sleep beside, and you think, I'll just be quiet, and I'll grab my clothes out of the dresser, and then you walk out into the, into the hallway, you turn and go, this shirt's green? <laughs> I thought I had a red one on. That happens. Right? So a photon, that's a packet of light. Okay? When it hits a receptor, it sends a message via the optic nerve to the, well, to the brain. We'll get a little more involved in a moment. So because of this, we have a blind spot, which is neat. My blind spot's my whole eye. <laughs> so the way this works is that, and you would never design an eye this way. It's stupid. Like, you would never hook it up like this, right? Why would you have a spot right in the middle? It's like, oh, you can't see there. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Because of what's happening here is that all the... Bipolar cells, we're talking about bipolar neurons before, all these bipolar cells are converging into one place to get the optic nerve. It's kind of like when your eyes are plugged in. That means there's going to be a spot where you can't see anything. And there's always those demos in intro psych books, right? Where it's like, look at, look at this picture and then look away or whatever. And then, like, I don't know how it works because my eyes don't focus on anything, so it never works for me. Um, I have blind spots, just that I, I can't make my eyes stop shaking, so I can't, uh, I can't do those demonstrations, which is too bad, because all those cool things, not, nothing works. I mean, that's, not, that's really not the worst thing about this, but <laughs> it sucks. It does suck. So, so we have a blind spot. I'm running out of titles for my slides. Uh, so, just, so the cones are for fine detail and for color. And they really, as I said, only work in the light, in bright enough light. Now, it's true when you look over, let's say, you have an alarm clock and it's in the dark. Yeah, but that's a pretty good source of light, where you pick up your phone to see what time it is. Right? In the middle of the night. Sure, of course. So you look and go, like, somebody mentioned me on Twitter. Of course you saw that color. 
because it's a pretty bright source of light. But the rest of your room, you can't tell. Somebody could have come in quietly and painted your room. I don't know, that's weird. That would, you'd smell that probably. <laughs> but you wouldn't know, as long as the brightness was the same. If what you do, what happens is your brain applies what it know, what you know. So, like, in our bedroom, there's a place where clothes hanging up, and I look there, and there's like, oh, there's a, I have a lot of hockey sweaters, depending on like who's winning, and well, they're all Montreal sweaters, but uh, and one team, two team Canada ones. Anyway, they're all hanging there. I know there's red there, so when I look at it, even in the dark, it looks red, but it's not red. I, I know I'm not actually my, my my sensory gear isn't perceiving the red, isn't sensing the red, but perceptually, I'm sort of painting the red on it. Right? So cones really only work in the light, and they're concentrated in the fovea. For you guys, not for me, I don't have fovea, because I'm a loser. So concentrated in the fovea. Fovea is a Latin word, it means pit, so don't say foveal pit, it's redundant. It's like synaptic gap. Rods are evenly distributed. Okay, so your rods are evenly distributed throughout your red, but your cones are mostly in the foveate, right in the middle, where, where, where you, that's where you focus on things, okay? So that means then that your peripheral vision is actually in black and white, it is not in color. It feels like it's in color, because again, as soon as you notice something, you look over it. But you can do a little demonstration of this for yourself. You need a pretty directional light, okay, in a dark room, and look straight ahead, and have your friend over maybe more than 180 degrees. So it's something you can still see, like right about there, okay, and have them flash the light and see if you can guess what color it is. Now, I guess it has to be directional because you can't see the light on the wall of it. You'll, you'll, if you've got like four colors, you'll be right 25% of the time. In other words, it's random chance. You don't see in color in your periphery. My cones are evenly distributed, so the one superpower I have is my peripheral vision is in color. Wow, that makes up for everything. That makes up for me being made fun of mercilessly by other children. It's great. Okay. I have a series of psychological problems I shouldn't be sharing with you. So, um, oops, I should go back. Oh, no, that's, that's still okay. So you have many rods to one bipolar cell. So you can see in dim light, but only in black and white, and then one cone to one bipolar cell. So it looks like, it's like this. Uh, yeah. So assuming this whiteboard here is, the, is your retina, right? Um, so I have a rod here. Actually, make them look like rods, right? A rod here and a rod here. Three of those will all connect, and they'll have what's called a receptive field. So a light that hits on this part of your retina will make those rods send out a message. Through like 50 chemical reactions that happen really quickly. And I really can't remember. And is it important for us? 
These all connect, okay? It's gonna be hard to draw this because I can't draw in three dimensions. Um, to a bipolar cell. So we're just gonna pretend. So they all connect to a bipolar cell. There's a bipolar cell. Okay, so they're all connected to this bipolar cell. So that means then that if the light is hit here, here, or here, this bipolar cell fires. This bipolar cell can't know if it's this one, this one, or this one. Do you see that? It doesn't know. It knows that it fires. That's all it knows. Whereas if we do cone, cones are one to one. So we'll do cones and yellow seeds. It's got a little field. So now when a piece of light hits that cone, hits this receptive field, this part of the retina, that cone fires this cell. So this is why you're that, uh, less light for rods, because you can see that the area where it's going to fire is bigger. The receptive field. So the receptive field here would be all of these. The receptive field here would just be this little part here. Make sense? Yes? Good. Been working for years, literally trying to come up with how to diagram that. So that's not bad. You have about 130 million receptors per retina, which might make you think you have 130 megapixel lots. But actually, it's more like 600-something because they're so concentrated in the fovea, your cones. They're so concentrated that... And what happens is the receptive fields overlap so much that it's easy to pinpoint exactly where light was. So let's say we have a receptive field for a cone here, and then another one. Let's do another place here, actually. Like that, and like that, and like... Well, let's make it like a Venn diagram. And like that. So, if this, if all three of the bipolar cells connected to this, to, to these, where these cones are, these receptive fields fire, that means then that that piece of light hit right there, that little tiny place. Do you see that? It's, a, it's basically like a Venn diagram, you think of that. So that's, that's what that means. That the little piece of light, the packet of light, the photon must have hit that one little spot. So we can see the pixels we see, in essence, they're basically pixels, are really small in the day. And you might notice at night that the pixels, things are a little fuzzier at night, like in the, like in the dark. I don't mean just it's at night you're sitting in your house. But I mean, like, if you're walking around in the dark, right? So you get up uh, middle end of the bathroom. And unless you have all kinds of night lights and stuff, Right? And you don't want to wake everybody up. You get up and you go, you sort of feel your way into the bathroom, close the door, light on so you don't wake anybody up because you're considerate. Some of you aren't. I know you just turn on all the lights, don't care. I don't know who, but somebody in here is like that. I don't care that I live with other people. <laughs> the world is designed to help me. So, but when you do that, you'll notice it's kind of fuzzy, right? That's because you're just using cones, or sorry, rods. 
So you can't see as much detail. You don't have, it's like it's standard definition TV versus high definition TV. It's almost to the point where people don't remember standard definition TV, which is crazy. But I remember when high definition TV came out and you watched TV and you went, wow, David Letterman has a lot more wrinkles than I thought. It's because you're actually seeing what he looks like more, right? Because the pixels are smaller. And if you get really close to like even a 1080p TV, you can see the pixels to get it really close. I don't know about a 4K TV. I haven't really... See, it gets to a point where it's useless for my vision. So even though I want a 4K TV, just because I want to say I have one, uh, it's probably not worth it. So if you want to get an idea of how I see, because my cones are randomly distributed in my retina, I see with the same acuity that you do at night. Okay? But in the day. So things are they're fuzzy. Just there's stuff... It's not like when you're, when it's the middle of the night, things are fine. It's like stuff isn't there. Detail's not there. Right? You can't look down, like, could you read, I don't know. You can't read a, a book in the middle of the night, even with a little, little bit of light where you can actually see the letters. You can't, because it's, it's getting really close, right? Same thing. All right. So this diagram is probably better than mine. But it shows you the pixels that are bigger for rods. Here's your rod, right? All these go to a bipolar cell, see that? So that means the pixel is going to be bigger. Because that whole area is the receptive field for all these rods overlapping. Here we have a cone, and it's much smaller, right? You see that? So that's sort of a somewhat professionally done version, well, somewhat, I again typed into Google and searched down something, version of the diagram I did. So this is just telling us basically the pixels are bigger at night, which sounds like it's, that's actually the name of my first solo album. The pixels are bigger at night. The pixels are bigger at night. So, so we now go on to what are called ganglion cells, and we're going into the optic nerve. In some ways, you can consider your eyes part of your brain, part of your central nervous system. People say that. I mean, I'm not. Like, at least the retina is basically your central part of your central nervous system. They cross at the optic chiasm. Um, and that is left visual field goes to right, and right visual field goes to left. So it's like this. So it's not right eye to left and left eye to right, though you'll often say that as a sort of short form. So if we have, there's your left eye, there's your right eye. So there's your left visual field there, your left visual field there, your right visual field there, your right visual field there. Then at the optic chiasm, this one comes over here, this one goes over here. Sorry, I got that wrong. Left goes here, left goes here, right goes here, right goes there. Okay? So left visual field to the right hemisphere, right visual field to the left hemisphere. And they cross what's called the optic chiasm. Because 
it looks like the Greek letter chi. They have learned in statistics about chi-squared, right? So if we put a little two here, suddenly it's a statistical technique. But it's not, by the way, a lot of people call it chi-squared. It drives me nuts because you don't see e equals mc squared. You see squared. No one says chi-squared. It bothers me. And I use chi-squared a lot in my work. And then I try to get it published with chi-squared. And they always, the editors are always changing it because they're bastards. What are you going to do? Is that a hill you want to die on? No. <laughs> You'd rather get your work out there. So that's the opt. It's called chiasm because of Greek letter chi. So I said left to, left to right, right to left. And the next part of the, the next place it goes is to the lateral geniculate nucleus. We're gonna, don't worry, we'll continue this next time. And after that, after that, after that, okay. This is called the geniculostriate system. And like, why is it called that? Lateral geniculate nucleus, and it's striped. There's different layers. And we will talk more about that and the excitement of those parts of the eye on, and some goes to the, yeah, some goes to occipital, some to the parietal. We'll come back to this on Monday. Thanks, everyone.
Thanks for listening to the lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da- uh, Dr. Dave Brodbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures from Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh- uh, uh, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me, and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, what I call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music; they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>